va Pazzini stesso angolo d'inglese e fa 2 a 2 Giampaolo Pazzini il derby è di nuovo in parità al decimo della ripresa So in the 2017-2018 season we were blessed to have both Chievo Verona and Hellas Verona competing in this area. Yes, the Derby della Scala. You have any idea why they call it the Derby della Scala? Enlighten us. So this refers to the Scaligeri family or the Della Scala aristocratic family who actually ruled Verona during the Middle Ages and early Renaissance. I did not pull that up from Wikipedia, by the way. Yeah, you just knew it, right? I just knew it off the bat. Yeah, so, Pazzo Pazzini. Pazzo Pazzini. He helped Verona a hell of a lot. He helped a lot of teams quite a bit. But Verona were relegated this season alongside Crotone and Benevento whilst Chievo managed to secure a 13th place spot under the guidance of Rolando Maran. Yeah, we saw him most recently with Cagliari, I believe. Rolando yeah. Maran, yeah. He yeah. did not last very long at all. He had his players warming up at the beginning of a game in a military-style fashion while he would stand over them with his arms behind his back just watching them. Yeah, he's, he's always done this, this weird, funny shit, Maran. He's... He's quite a strict dude. Yeah, an old school guy. So, funnily enough, um, the next season after this, so in this game, Chievo beat Verona at three goals to two. Uh, Pazzini did score a penalty in that clip you guys just heard. But funnily enough, Verona were promoted back to Serie A the following year through the Serie B playoffs, where they beat Cittadella over two legs in the final in very dramatic fashion. Uh, the same year, uh, Chievo Verona were relegated to Serie B. Three years later, Hellas Verona still find themselves in Serie A and unfortunately, Kievo have liquidated. So hello and welcome to episode 10 of Serie A Spotlight. We're your hosts, Jake. And Matt. We made it. We made it. 10 episodes, huh? Not bad. Not bad. 10 more than I thought we would do. (laughs) (laughs) So I should start off this um, episode by shouting out Kurt Sultana. Kurt Sultana underscore fitness. Um, on Instagram, he beat me on Fanta Culture this week and we made a bet. And I lost. Well done, bro. Well done, Kurt. Lovely guy. And don't forget to follow us as well on both Twitter at, and Instagram at Serie A Spotlight. We're fun, I promise. Yeah, we post snippets, you know, we post stories. You can interact, you can send us your hot takes, your questions. We'll shout you out. It'll be fun. It will be fun. Uh, so this. You know, match day nine, was it? Match yes. day nine was crazy. We saw a, a hell of a lot of managers uh, get red cards. Uh, we saw Milan being the only top seven team that managed to take three points away, which improved their position in the table. We saw a lot of movement. We saw a few surprises. So without further ado, I think we'll just jump into it. So we have decided, guys, to um, start off the podcast with the most important games. You know, I, I doubt most people want to hear about Geno Spezia, for example, you know, first thing on a podcast. So we'll start off with the bigger games and we'll talk about the smaller games later on for those who are interested. Of course, we'll still go into the same amount of detail. Yeah. Um, it's our passion, these, for these sure. small games. But for those of you who just want to hear about the bigger games, you could do so by listening to the first bit of our podcast. And then if you are the real OGs and you want to listen to the Genoas and the Salernitanas and the Torinos, uh, stay tuned and you'll be able to hear that towards the end of our podcast. Yeah, so the first game we're going to be discussing is the Sunday game Inter against Juventus, which finished 1-1. 
Now, fun fact, Inter are the team that Juventus have beaten the most in Serie A. Did you what? Know that? I had no idea. Um, they've defeated them 85 times, Jesus. drawn 45 times, including this game, and lost 47 times to the Nerazzurri. Wow. I was yeah. not expecting that whatsoever. Well, they are the team that's been, that has never been relegated. Yeah, um, so I guess they just played them the most. Yeah, right? they've, they've had their opportunities as well. Yeah. I think you've only spent one season in Serie B as well after the Calcio Poli incident in 06. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably true. Now, however, Inter had won their first home game versus Juve. Uh, sorry, their last home game versus Juve. But they haven't won twice consecutively at home since 2010 under Jose Mourinho. Oh, wow. who, will, who we will be talking about We'll be later talking on. about him a lot, I think, in this episode. Yeah. So... Prior to this game, Inter had scored 78 goals in 32 games. In the top five, only Bayern Munich have outscored them. They've scored 89 in 29 games. By comparison, Juve have scored 64 in 33. Now, coming into this game, Juve had four clean sheets in a row um, against Zenit, Roma, Chelsea and Torino. So it was always Mm. going to be an interesting affair, this one. You know, Inter can score, but Juve don't concede. So what's going to happen? Yeah. Now, what happened was pretty crazy. You know, the game started off at a pretty frantic pace. Um, Juve almost got ahead early. Handanovic messed up. Um, Sandro failed to score the rebound. There was a lot of commotion going on in the first 10 minutes. Um, 17 minutes into the game, Hakan Chalanoglu's rocket struck the bar. You know, I, I, we were watching this in all our mouths. So yeah. we like, is that Chalanoglu striking the wow. bar? Yeah, we're like, wow. And then um, the ball falls to Dzeko. Of course, Szczesny had already dove. So um, he just taps it into the net, um, yeah. the easiest goal he'll ever score. Um, while watching the replay, and then we realized that Shalanoglu's shot yeah. that was actually going high, wide, and not at all. Yeah, it was a significant and deflection. Very significant, significant deflection, yes. Um, and that is why it, it was on target. Yeah, still celebrated like it was his goal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it is I a contribution <laughs> at the end of the day. He, he contributed well to that. You can't, you can't give him hate for that, but like, relax, you know. In the 18th minute, Bernardeschi um, seemed to have dislocated his shoulder mm-hmm. uh, and he was subbed off um, for Bentancur. And this substitution seemed to affect Juventus really badly because they, they couldn't do anything. They were just shooting from far Kulusevski and Quadrado, who, by the way, Quadrado has five goals against Inter. They're his favorite. Oh. Yeah, yeah, his favorite opponent. How good. But yeah, at this point, they were. They looked fucked, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. So, um, the game seemed to enter a stalemate. Um, Inzaghi seemed happy to hold the 1-0 lead. Um, you know, half-time came, 25 minutes to go, and you've introduced Dybala and Chiesa. Now, Dybala's yeah. back from injury, and Chiesa um, was being rested. Yeah, obviously, there were the Champions League fixtures as well last week, midweek, so a bit of tired heads and tired bodies as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, this changed Juve completely. They were they suddenly looked more creative, more fluid, more dynamic. Mm-hmm. They looked they looked much better. And then in the 89th minute, of course, after quite a lot of pressure from the Juventus side, um, Dumfries, the ever clumsy Dumfries, yeah. decided <laughs> to kick. Um, who was it? Alexandro, just yeah. inside the area. Exactly. Um, he was late to be honest. The referee saw mm-hmm. it at first and didn't call. The um, penalty, but mm-hmm. VAR told him to take another look. He went and he changed his mind. Yeah. Now, I've seen a lot of criticism. I've seen um, people saying, you know, um, VAR should only intervene if it's a clear and obvious error. But I'm sorry. No, I disagree. Isn't the denial of a just penalty a clear and obvious error? Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. So I wasn't sure about this initially um, because 
you know, when I saw it happen the first time, it looked very much exactly on the line of the penalty area. And I thought the contact was made towards the bottom of the player's boot. So I never saw that as um, a significantly painful or, or an interference with a player's positioning. Uh, but once you look at the replay, I mean, there's enough contact and it's just inside the box. And if they didn't give that penalty, then, you know, they'd be criticized for it heavily. Yeah, seeing seeing the images in real time, so seeing what happened in real time, it looks harsh. Right? Yeah. But yeah. then you, you apply the rules to the event. Mm-hmm. That's a penalty. He misses the ball, he's nowhere near the ball, and he kicks the yeah. player. Yeah, I, I do understand that slowing it down and, and looking at it in, in close-up and slow-mo, that it could make it look worse than it, does, it actually it is 100 percent. but the rules are there for a reason if it's <clears throat> if it's an infringement of the rules then i'm afraid that's that's a penalty you know you've uh, do tend to have a bit of luck when it comes to these situations but this one this one's totally correct do you think a draw was a fair result in this one i think ah uh, it, it's it's a tough one but i think it was a fair result only because of the stance inter took after taking the lead i think they were a bit risky in the sense that they just decided to pile men behind the ball. They they knew at a point that Chiesa and Dybala were going to come on. And once Chiesa and Dybala came on, they knew they had to stop dealing with size and strength and had to deal with some more pace. Um, so once that happened, they, they failed to adjust. They conceded the penalty. They conceded. And I think Juve deservedly got their place back in that game. Yeah, I tend to agree with you over here. It draws a fair result. No one really looked like they... They deserve to go home. Mm-hmm. I mean, apart from Inter's goal, there wasn't really an obvious chance in the no, game for them. No, I remember watching the first half and saying, fuck me, this could go either way. Both teams were attacking like they were the favourites, mm-hmm. which is what we like to see in football, especially in the top flight of Serie A. Definitely. So Juve currently find themselves 10 points below first, mm. while Inter sit in third as they settle into life under Limone. In <laughs> Fucking brilliant, bro. Thank you, man. Thank 10 you. out of 10. So we move on to the next game. So the next game we'll be covering is Roma against Napoli. So the Derby del Sole. So another bit of history on why this is called Derby del Sole. Sole means sun in Italian. They refer to the center and south of Italy as being the sun. In fact, there's a highway called the Highway del Sole. And these were the first two teams that weren't from the north of Italy that played in the top flight in Serie A. So rather than forming an alliance, they formed a derby, which is very, very Italian. Um, So this was Mourinho versus Spalletti. This was the first time they faced off since the 2008-2009 season. Uh, Spalletti with Roma and Mourinho with Inter. There was a lot of bickering going on back then. They weren't friends at all. No, this that, year it was different though. Yeah, do you remember they called him bald or, yeah. or something like that? It's brilliant. He told him something like his ego is too big and he hides behind a mask. And he replied, just that he's bald. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, great comeback. Yeah, fantastic. So in this game, uh, both managers were sent off. So Mourinho got booked twice for descent towards the referee. Spalletti was devastated after he uh, got shown a direct red card. Uh, after the full 90 minutes where he said that he actually congratulated Massa for having a great game. And he said that Massa replied by just whooping out a red card. I don't think that's how conversations work. I think there must have been an element of sarcasm. Did you see in, the images? Spalletti. I did see the images. Yeah. I did. It looks... It looks I don't know. sarcastic to me. It does look sarcastic to me as well. But I mean, you know, these guys are always going to defend themselves. And yeah. there, there's He's been a, a lot of... He's a great actor though. He looked yeah, so yeah, like, he taken aback. He looked surprised. I think 
you know, experience should play a part over there. And I mean, you know, uh, they shouldn't be getting sent off after 90 minutes. I mean, I'd, I'd understand if you get sent off, if you something slips out of your mouth during the game. But after the full 90 minutes, come on, man, you're missing a full game for something you could have bottled in for an extra five minutes on the pitch. Yeah. Um, so in this fixture, Napoli won four of their last five encounters against Roma. Uh, Roma were coming off a 6-1 loss to Bodo Glimt uh, midweek in the Conference League, whereas Napoli were coming off a 3-0 victory against Lega Warsaw. So... Needless to say that Napoli were kind of the favourites going into this game. Now, it was by no means a boring game, although it was a nil-nil draw. Um, Napoli enjoyed most of the possession, but if I had to say, I think Roma did have some more dangerous chances than Napoli had. And now that is very much up for debate because Napoli had some great opportunities as well. Um, some that I'd like to point out is Osman had a great chance after Politano gave him a square pass in the first half. Um, both Ibanez and Mancini did a great job at throwing themselves, literally throwing themselves uh, into Ozyman's path they both clattered against the post and clattered into each other the ball rolled into the path of Mario Rui who had an empty net and Karsdorp managed to slide in and take the ball off Mario Rui to avoid Roma going down in the early stages of the match yeah if these defenders have something they have balls man uh, yeah Mancini and Ibanez quite often do a lot of dirty work you know they throw themselves in front mm-hmm. of balls they're, they're very brave defenders same yeah. can be said about Karsdorp, to be honest as well. A very industrious, hard-working player. And Mourinho seems to have taken a liking to him. Yeah. Um, same thing can't be said about the the reserves, Matt, the, the substitutes. What do you make of what Mourinho has been saying about them? So I saw that Mourinho attempted to clear the air, at least. And he said when he talks about him only having 13 players available, he's talking about experience rather than skill set. That's what he's trying to say, apparently. Um, yeah, what a load of rubbish. What a load of shit. I think Mourinho tends to do this. Um, I mean, he had a high budget at Inter. He had a high budget at United. He had a high budget at Real. I didn't really complain about the selection that he had. As soon as he joins teams like Spurs and um, Spurs and Roma, where he actually needs to get the best out of the select players that he has, he finds a way to kind of downplay them and make it seem as though he's a hero for even getting them into the top six. Yeah. So, Many of these bench players were regular starters in Serie A last year. Like yeah. You know, you look at Shomorodov, good player. El Sharawi, good player. Um, the other striker, Mayoral, yeah. good player. Mayoral's you know, good. He's Kumbula, good. A, a starter for one of the best look, Verona sides we've you, seen recently. If if you bring on um, the, the striker, sorry. Mayoral. Mayoral. If you bring him on at the 75th minute when you need to defend a lead or even get a goal, the guy can contribute. We saw he was on fine form last season. Uh, I like Kumbula, I like Reynolds, I like Calafiori. Reynolds, I have to say, I'm not sure about. I think he's the one that maybe Mourinho has a point by slating. But again, you don't slate. Young guy, man. He's a young guy. nowhere near the starting. What is he, the third choice fullback? Yeah, he's third choice. He's third choice. I mean, if you don't like him, send him out on loan. Maybe he'll come back and he'll be decent. But whatever, man. Um, so, yeah, the Napoli, I mean, Roma had a couple of chances as well. Tammy Abraham was clean through on goal at a point. 
Um, he could have probably won a penalty at this point. There was somewhat of a trip, but he managed to stay up on his feet. Um, he then just sliced the ball wide. Pellegrini had a great chance from um, quite an awkward angle, but close to the post as well. He then whipped a dirty ball in from a free kick into Mancini's part, who headed it just wide. So this was a very, very exciting game. A lot of fights, a lot of drama. Roma remained in fourth place with 16 points. Napoli remained first with 25 points, but now have some more pressure from AC Milan as they are drawn points. The next match took place between Bologna and Milan at the Stadio Renato Dallara and it ended 4-2 for the Rossoneri. Woohoo! Now, um, Milan emerged as winners in the six-goal thriller um, after playing for over 30 minutes with a two-man advantage. Now, prior to this game, Bologna had only managed to earn one point from 11 games against Milan. That's one point out of 12 games. Now, of course, so Milan kind of have them figured out. But, um, and to be honest, in the first half, watching the game, I thought, all right, Milan have this one in the bag. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It all started when Rafael Leao in the 16th minute was played through by Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He, you know, he did his whole thing, you know, twisting and turning. He shot it, it deflected off Gary Medel and found itself in the back of the net. Leao having a brilliant season. Leao is by far, we were discussing on which players in Milan are world-class. And the first thing that comes to mind this season in particular is Rafael Leao. His contribution has increased dramatically over the season. And it's great to see particularly after the stick he was receiving from his own fan base towards the end of last season. Yeah, I think the... The standout world-class player, though, at Milan. I, I wouldn't even say that Leao is world-class. I would say the the definite world-class player on Milan right now is Theo Hernandez. So, That's the guarantee. Because I, I look at world-class. What does world-class mean to me? It means you can go anywhere and you can start. You're telling me Leao can go anywhere and he can start? No, Leao can't go anywhere and start. But I measure wor- being world class as something different. I I look at it as a mixture of contributions, age, um, natural talent. So the way you touch the ball, the control of the ball, your shooting, your passing. I think that if he's not exactly world class right now, give him half more of a season and he will definitely be world class. Would he fit into every team? I I don't think such a player exists because different teams, different systems. Um, but yeah, I think I think Leao is is nearing that that title. Um, I, I think he has world class potential for sure, but I don't know if he's just there yet. Anyway, um, it was the twentieth minute where our man, our mystery man, who we've been discussing, where's Sao Mauro? Where's Sao Mauro? There he is, getting sent off in the twentieth minute. <laughs> um, of course, Kronich looked like it was clean through, and Sao Mauro dropped him and got a straight red card. Okay, 15 minutes after that, um, Castillo's effort was blocked after some confusion in the area. And then Capitano Calabria came in and slapped it home. An alpha strike with sheer testosterone dripping in sauce. All yep. that young man shit, you know. And a nice nine points on Fanta Calcio for Matt. Thank you very, very much, Capitano. Yeah. It's half time. I have my legs on the table. I'm smoking a cigarette. I'm living life. I'm enjoying myself. <laughs> Um, second half starts and in the 49th minute Musa Barrow takes a corner it hits Zlatan and goes in his own first goal. own goal in his entire career man he has yeah, like yeah, five yeah. yeah he has like 500 something goals um, in 700 and something appearances if I'm not mistaken uh, it's his first own goal ever man wow I didn't know that yeah okay. 
Um, Milan were rattled um, and Bologna's comeback came to fruition just three minutes later when Barros struck home a sweet ball by Soriano. Um, now, this is something, right? When, when Milan are shocked, they're shocked. Yeah, they, yeah. They struggle, they freeze, you know? Like, things like this happen, like the Verona game as well. In the Verona game, those two goals came in quick succession. Yeah. Milan were shell-shocked. I almost feel like Milan end up somewhat frozen, maybe flat-footed. It's literally a shock, like you're, like you're describing it yeah. perfectly. Um, thankfully, this season, we are seeing Milan get back into the game. Yeah. Um, so we're seeing Milan capable of getting the lead early and maintaining it. But once the odd occasion like this happens, you know, when you have... Ibrahimovic scoring own goals and Musa Barrow scoring, um, they managed to get back into the game. Yeah, it's like those those games now where Bruno Alves tees up a fucking free kick on a Monday him. night. On a Monday <laughs> night, and, and puns is stops, over. Yeah, puns is over. It stops you from getting from getting Champions League. You know that's that was terrible. That kind like. of shit. But anyway, yes. Um, but thankfully, it, that's not the case anymore. So it was in the fifty eighth minute that. Roberto Soriano decided to absolutely fucking destroy Balotore. Yeah. Horrible yeah. tackle. Horrible tackle. It could have been a terrible injury. Like yeah. Studs showing. Studs up on the ankle. I don't know how his leg didn't snap. He must be made of steel, this guy. Because <laughs> honestly, it was an, an awful challenge. And suddenly, um, Bologna find themselves down to nine men. And we thought, you know, it's only a matter of time before we get the lead. Um, ten minutes... 15 minutes, 20, 20 minutes, minutes. <laughs> 2-2, and I'm like, oh my God, what's what's going on? <laughs> and then in the 84th minute, um, after some some confusion again, there was a high ball coming down. Yeah. It looked like it was coming down from like miles up, and yeah. Ben Asser just connects with it so sweetly and hits it bottom corner. Like on Perfect, the It was man. beautiful. Perfect. It was freaking out, I'm freaking out, everything's amazing. And then <laughs> in the 90th minute, of course, Zlatan scores the guarantee winner um, to sum up a pretty bad performance by him I'd say I mean granted Zlatan has a bad performance what does he come away with he comes away with a goal mm. and an assist yeah yeah and, and an own goal, and, um, and goal. <laughs> no I like I mean Zlatan no matter if he performs greatly or if he doesn't perform so well I think the team does perform better once he's on the pitch now does that make him instantly a starter for the team? Maybe not. He's got to bring on in situations like this um, in order to give the team some confidence and give the team some guidance. And as we saw as a result of that, I mean, Milan managed to get full three points at the end of it. Yeah. Um, it was. It's, it's games like this that make me believe that Milan might have what it takes to win the league you know these these types of games make me yeah. believe these scrappy ones mm-hmm. these games where you you're watching and you're like there's no way yeah come out with this win they're, they're, everything's gone tits up you know we have no we have no players yeah you know two of our best players have covid Kessie was out strikers, as well the back problems like you know things yeah. like that they, they they take their toll you know and and somehow this group keeps managing to to persevere they keep managing to come out on top and yeah. they're young, you know, these, these, these types of victories will, will build up their characters, will shape them up into believers. You know, these guys will go into every game believing that no matter what happens, they can win. And that's what, that's what makes a winner, man. 
100%. And Milan find themselves now drawn first place with Napoli. Napoli with the slight edge, obviously, thanks to the goal difference. But I'm very excited to see just how far Milan can get. Obviously, AFCON is coming up now, so some significant changes in the team for them alongside Napoli. So very excited for that now, man. Yes, sir. So we should move on to the next game now. The next game we'll be covering is Atalanta against Udinese, the battle between Gasperini and Gotti. Uh, so coming into this game, Atalanta were unbeaten in seven matches against Udinese, winning six of those in the process. Uh, they were coming off a brave midweek performance uh, against United where they lost three goals to two at Old Trafford. Udinese, on the other hand, were coming off two draws against Sampdoria and Bologna. Now, in the beginning of the game, Molina had a great chance to make it 1-0 after a square ball by Beto, but could only hit the post from quite a tight angle. You could argue that Musso might have had that cover covered, um, but it was quite a good opportunity for Udinese and great to set the tone from the get-go. Um, a similar situation happened moments later where Ilicic hit the post after a square ball as well. That was a ball by Duvan Zapata. Um, it smacked the post and then ended up uh, safely into Silvestri's hands. Um, it was back and forth for the entirety of the first half. You could say Atalanta had the upper hand slightly. Uh, but in the 56th minute and then Malinowski managed to score a screamer from range. Hard shot into the bottom corner. Is there a man in this area uh, that could hit a ball cleaner than Ruslan Malinowski? Kovalenko. No, no, no. There is. <laughs> I, I don't think there is. I, I think, Verde? Um, yeah, Maybe. Verde. I think uh, Malinowski has the sweetest left foot in the league. Yeah, it's it's so, he's so good, man. He's so yeah. good. And, and I hope that confidence stays on his side. I don't think he ever lacked confidence. I think yeah. maybe confidence was lacking in him from a certain Gasperini yeah. <laughs> at, at some point. Yeah, but he's always the type, Gasperini's the type of manager that's going to rotate you. Yeah. You know, that, that's, no matter who you are. Yeah, but, but I mean, I like that system and I like how far it's gotten Atalanta, especially, you know, they were dark horses for, for such a long time. But at the end of the day, if you want a star player in your team, just like they had Papu Gomez, you need to find someone, you need to cement him into your starting eleven, and you need to build the team around him a little bit. I mean, I wouldn't be mad if Malinowski was playing game in, game out, for example, and they could start you know, moving players, or even, you know, Muriel and Zapata. I'd like to see them get more playtime consistently. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I think when it comes to Duvan and Muriel, I think Gasperini gets the, the best out of them, to be honest, especially Muriel. You know, Muriel isn't the type of player that can play 90 minutes. And, and the way Gasperini manages him, he manages to squeeze a bunch of goals out of him. He milks him for goals. Same with Duvan when he's not injured or recovering, you know, when he's on form. When it comes to Malinowski, he has been streaky. He typically performs for like the latter part of the season. Yeah, but it, he tends to perform better when he's getting consistent game time, I believe, man. I think when we see him on the pitch for, you know, more than 50 minutes, 60 minutes, then that's when the best comes out in him. Bear in mind, man, a player, with, with the exception of Muriel, because he's a fucking freak, but players need to feel the game out. They need to adapt yeah. to the defenders, they need to adapt to the midfielders, they need to adapt to the tempo of the game. So I would like to start seeing somewhat of a stronger system in place for certain players, maybe build, build the know, team around you them. At, you look at nine games that have been played so far. Nine, nine games. Yeah, right? nine games. Yeah. So he has started all of them and appeared as a sub in two. So he started. Okay, seven, started seven. He started seven games and came on in two of them. Yeah, that's good. I think that's a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's utilizing him very well. I think 
he's quite pivotal in the yeah no we said in previous episodes as well it's good yeah. to see Malinovsky's getting some more game time as, yeah. as, as well um, shortly after one, even though Atalanta had the lead Gasperini was sent off for dissent um, he apparently offended Mar- Marinelli in, in some way or another but this is what he had to say about it he said I was not angry with anyone and I have absolutely no idea why I was booked he came to book me I didn't say anything and then there was a red wow how, how does that happen, right? <laughs> this, this is a huge issue for referees because nobody on the touchline complained about anything. Now, this is where um, I think Gasperini made a good point. He said, referees are really a problem. They never explain themselves. They never own up to errors. They are professionals too. So let them be professionals like us and come to speak to the media because I have no idea what he thought he heard or saw. It's about time they stop being protected. Facts. Facts. I would love to see post-match interviews with referees. So apart from that giving us viewers some clarity on certain decisions that were made, I think, guys, it's it's good for your publicity as well. I mean, you referees, you know, unless you're managing on on the top stages at the World Cup or Champions League, you don't really get your name out there. This would be a great way to do so, man. I love when you address Italian speaking celebrities directly on our podcast as though they're going to hear they're listening bro they're listening they're all the bar together with yeah. the phone. Um, well, Capello commented on this as well yeah. he said that there's clearly an issue in Italy in particular between coaches and referees where there tends to be a bit of a lack of respect between the yeah. two he said if you watch the Premier League it's a totally different sport because of the ways that uh, referees and coaches carry themselves um, through their through their mutual respect oh, interesting um, that is true we do see quite a few um, managers get sent off in Italy yeah for um, this week man. one thing one thing that that was a very good point that Gasperini made um, it can't be that referees make outrageous decisions or controversial decisions and you know you only read about it through an interview on like yeah Gazzetta. yeah you have to so you, you have to, to look up articles yes, exactly. to find out why like, they made certain decisions do, they should be on tv they should be on tv programs interviews explaining their decisions yeah. you know or like recently who was it i believe it was de laurentis who has who requested var tapes i think so i think it was theory. de laurentis i think that's think good so. man why not let's let's get a bit more transparency yeah. You look at other sports, you can hear the referees speaking throughout the full game, but in football, mm-hmm. it's nothing. Mm-hmm. It's a mystery. Bro, even for aspiring referees, people that want to be refs, it'd be really cool to hear why certain decisions were carried out, or even yeah. just for football fans, man. I would absolutely yeah. adore that. Exactly. But moving away from, from that, um, we all thought Atalanta were going to come away with three points here, a 1 0 victory against Udinese, but in the 94th minute, man. Beto managed to get at the end of a header after Samaridzic's corner. Musso was kind of in no man's land. I don't like criticizing Musso because he's fucking great. But he didn't exactly do great in, in that in that situation. He came to collect a ball that was not his to collect. There were obstructions in front of him, uh, so on and so forth. And Beto managed to, you know, queue up that goal. Atalanta find themselves in fifth place with 15 points. Udinese 14th on 10 points. That's his third goal, Beto. Beto, he's doing decently, yeah, man. the young Portuguese. I thought Udinese would struggle up front, and yeah. it's good to see Beto performing well, man. Yeah, I think Udinese are forced to be reckoned with this, this year. I think it's them. The, the surprise, like, mid-table... The, yeah. the tough mid-table sides, in my opinion, this year are Torino and Udinese. Yeah, Tor- Torino and Udinese. And, you know, and Hellas Verona, of course. Yeah. Well, yeah, Hellas Verona, I think, I think that's a perfect transition as well onto the next game, no? Yes, sir. So the next game, 
was between Hellas Verona and Lazio. Hellas Verona with the um, shock result of the week, beating Lazio 4-1. A 4-1 result between Verona and Lazio and Verona winning is straight up fucking weird, bro. Now, just to talk about how weird this is, in the previous 11 games, in the previous 11 Serie A encounters between Verona and Lazio, um, Verona only won one. My God. There were three draws and seven losses for them. Now, um, Verona came into this game on hot form. You know, they have now netted um, at least two goals in each of their last six games. They're, they're, they're scoring. They're mm-hmm. scoring. And, you know, we, we made fun of their striking force. Yeah, Ed Denedi, no? Ed Denedi. <laughs> we have Kevin Lasagna. We have Nicola Kalinic and Giovanni Simeone. Yeah. Ed Denedi. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, Giovanni Simeone scored four goals in <laughs> that game. He's like, shut up, guys. <laughs> the, the Cholito... <laughs> Express. Express. Choo choo! Choo choo! Yeah. Um, Giro and got one back for Lazio in the 46 when they were already two goals down. And then, of course, Simeone just kept scoring. You know, every finish is a perfect finish every single time. My God. I've never seen him like this. I've Typically, never. I, I thought he was a striker that struggled with his confidence, that was really streaky. Yeah. If he misses one chance, you're not going to see him for another six months. This was bizarre this this was really good and man i i remember when you used to shit on him last season at Cagliari and and that saying no, i like him he's decent but in actual blind. fact i was fucking stevie wonder um but it's good to see him performing like this man four it goals in a it, single it, game it's fun you know this it's is, very this fun and it's interesting because verona were coming off a loss against milan uh, whereas Lazio were coming off a, a great victory against Inter. So, I mean, the roles should have really been reversed yeah. in this one, man. So, we can confirm that sacking Di Francesco seems to have worked very well for um, for Verona. You know, yeah. two doors doing a very good job. But um, let's focus on, on Lazio a little bit over here. Yeah. What mm-hmm. the hell is going on here? So, first of all, they had Acerbi and Luis Felipe out, right? Yeah. Um, they brought in Patrick and Radu. Yeah. To to hold the fort, um, flanked by Hisai and Marisic. Now, taking a look at Radu and Patrick, um, you play one of them, you get away with it. You, know, yeah. you play Radu and Acerbi, you get away with it. You play Luis Felipe and Patrick, you get away with yeah. it. But Radu and Patrick made Giovanni Simeone look like the best El phenomeno, man. Yeah. Literally el phenomeno. They're, they're not to standard. They're definitely not to standard. Um, no. Are they the type... Should they be conceding for to Verona? Maybe not, but again, not to standard. Yeah, but Luis Felipe no. was busy consoling his friend, so he, so he missed this game due to a suspension. Now, Luis Alberto was benched for this game, and again? we saw... Yes, we saw Akpa Akpro take his place, who had a shocker, by the imagine way. Imagine that. Imagine he was, he benching... Was absolutely terrible. Imagine benching Luis Alberto for Akpa Akpro. Yeah. So Akpa Akpro and Leva in the middle together were not dominant in the slightest. No. You know, not dominant at all. They they lost pretty much most of their duels. Um, Akpa Akpro with some inaccurate passes, you know, late challenges. Terrible. Um, yeah, and, and of course, we've seen that there's been a lot of drama mm-hmm. going on in this Lazio team. Uh, it all started off when Sarri said that Luis Alberto and Sergei Milinkovic Savic cannot play together. I found that incredibly weird, man. It was weird they said that, but maybe he meant it like to his system. I don't know, but I think as a good coach, you need to make sure, you need to find a way to play your best players together. You need to find a way to make the most, to get the most out of your players. 
Um, but anyway, um, Luis Alberto went on social media. I'm not sure it was Twitter or Instagram, one of them, mm. whatever. And he he liked a tweet that basically said that Simon and Zaghi managed to get the best out of Sergei Milinkovic-Savic and Luis Alberto mm-hmm. playing together for five years and even won a trophy with them and had some dominant displays with them. Um, that led to a lot of drama, of course. Um, after this game, Sarri decided to um, send his team into a retiro, what they call it in Italy. Okay. Uh, that basically means that the team will be staying together until the next game, locked in, <laughs> in, uh, together, living together, training together. Yeah, fuck it's, your it's families. It's a punishment. It's one of the worst things you can do. I believe in his five-year tenor, um, Simone Enzaghi only called his team into a retiro once in oh. 2018 yeah jesus yeah so this is it came quite early on and that's definitely not a good thing for them um lotito has expressed his full support to sarri of course i would do the same yeah you know um a great coach a coach that proves uh that has proven that he can win um yeah so didn't think about it sarri's lots you have beaten roma and inter but they got trashed by bologna and verona what do you make of that man it's it's fucking weird. So, I, I I absolutely do not have an answer for that. Man, I don't have an answer for that because even at the start of the season, I saw Lazio as one of the best teams in the league. Yeah, they I had a really good start. I predicted that that they were gonna you know be top four and they were gonna be there consistently. You yeah, know, you know what I mean. That takes that takes time. So. It's a system that takes time, but we we've seen it work really well, and we've seen them play Sarri ball. We've we've seen them clearly play Sarri ball in, in yeah. beating Roma and Inter. Those were two fantastic performances, man. A combination of like Sarri ball and Limone ball. No? <laughs> Do you think that maybe I mean Sarri had a lot of experience at Napoli? He had one year at Juventus. However, in between, he had a bit of a gap where he was at Chelsea as well. Do you think maybe he's slightly out of touch with the I, league? I highly doubt that. Um, I think that he has a few egos in there, uh, particularly Luis Alberto. You know, it's mm. not easy to manage. Apparently, after the 3-0 to Bologna, Sarri walked into the dressing room and asked them, are you trying to get me sacked? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's a team that, you know... And even the fact that they beat the big teams and they lose to the small ones maybe go, goes to show that these guys only show up when... When all gonna, eyes are on exactly, them. Exactly, when all eyes are on yeah. them. When it comes to beating Hellas Verona, you know, they're, gonna, they're not going to try mm-hmm. their best. I mean, that happens when I guess people don't love their job, you know what I mean? Like, you see Milan and Napoli play... Or when they play, don't like their coach. Or when they don't like their coach. Why doesn't make them not like their job, eh, I guess? But, yeah. you know, every game is a final... In a, in a league, yeah. you need to get as many consistent three-pointers as you can. Um, granted, Verona had a great game, obviously, Simone, uh, not Simone, well, Simeone yeah. was fantastic. He, he looked, you know, he never looked that good in, in his entire career. I, yeah, I doubt he even got four goals yeah. last season at Cagliari. You look at Faroni, Illich, Veloso, these guys were all amazing. Caprari, Barak, yeah. everyone played Montipo, well Montipo is a good goaler, man. Even though he should have never let that immobile shot in, you think never. he spilt it? He spilt it completely. Went right under him. Mm. He, he slapped the ground instantly. He knew he should have saved that. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I mean, there's not much to say about this one. We'll see what happens with Lazio, um, but it's definitely going to be interesting to follow, right? Some yeah, popcorn. It'd be great if they had a series out. I'd, I'd like to follow that very closely. 
yes, uh, more drama surrounding Lazio with their falconer getting sacked. For those of you that don't know, um, Lazio's mascot is the eagle. Hmm. Um, That's probably why... Some of their supporters might be a little yeah. bit fascist. <laughs> <laughs> Just a bit. Just a bit, yeah. But um, yeah, this guy decided to. So, so yes, they have they have a falconer who during their home games has an eagle on his on his arm, and he walks around. They let the, the eagle fly around. Everyone loves it. It's great. Um, during the game, this guy went up to the after the game. Sorry, he went up to the away the home stand, and he he put his arm up. Inappropriately, and, oh st- and the fans started, started chanting the the Mussolini chant. Oh and, um, my Someone God. was filming this from the stands. You of know, course, eh? was, like, cheering. Everyone was like, "Non ci credo!" They couldn't, oh they couldn't believe what they were saying. They God. were loving it, and this guy um, was sacked. And in an interview, he said that um, he didn't know that the gesture was illegal. Oh, shut up. And he said that Mussolini was not that bad. Oh, fuck so off. I can't believe he doubled down. Oh, my God, man. You know, the guy, like, the guy could have easily said, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but that's what he decided to do. Also, um, a few days later, it is announced that um, Mussolini's grandson gets, has been called up to um, Lazio's first team and was actually on the bench against Hellas Verona. Can we move on before I eat the microphone out of sheer rage? <laughs> That's on. I, I think, fucking... You know, I, I don't find it fair that people associate this guy with his, with his grandfather. No, absolutely. No, no, no. Look, I, I, abs- absolutely not. And I would hate to have the Mussolini surname, especially if, if you know, I'm a nice non-racist being. Yeah, I mean, we're two um, Fenex from Malta. Like, <laughs> um, but, you know, with this whole series of event going on, you can't help but think, you know, our Lazio a bit, you know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. They, they certainly, there certainly seems to be a pattern. They, they literally cannot see a black man on the pitch. It's, it's Ooh. fucking weird. Um, but we should move on now uh, to a game between Fiorentina and Cagliari. So Fiorentina at home, uh, they were coming off two losses against Napoli and Venezia. Napoli kind of expected Venezia not so much. Um, Cagliari were coming off their first win of the season against Sampdoria, which was not expected at all. So in the 20th minute, Fiorentina were awarded a penalty after Balde really clumsily handled the ball uh, inside the box with a really extended arm I, I don't know why a player would be like that naturally. Um, so Biragi stepped up to take the penalty. Now, if you guys watch Serie A, then you'd know that Vlaovic normally takes those and he's really fucking good at taking them. There were uh, rumors claiming that Vlaovic refused to take the penalty after he was jeered by the crowd for not signing a new deal. Um, in a post-match interview, both Italiano and Biragi denied that and they said it was out of mutual consent and Vlaovic didn't just step back randomly. Um, they said, Biragi said that this time round he wanted to take the penalties and he wanted Vlaovic to take the free kicks. Now, is this him protecting his player or is it him being genuine? I mean, we could look into this, you know, this could be looked into if, if it failed. 
Yeah. At the end of the day, you know, Biragi is typically on free kicks, Vlav, which is typically on penalties. They yeah. switched and they both fucking yeah. scored. I mean, Kranjo so would have been worked. studying them, yeah. you know what I mean? And exactly. they switched it up and they and they fucked them up. Exactly. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if, for example, Biragi... if he'd be, be pissed for, like, doing his homework for nothing. I mean, probably, eh? But, I, <laughs> like, I wouldn't be um, surprised at all if... If it was a word of advice from Biragi to Vlaovic saying like, look, they're going to jeer you if you step up for the penalty. Why don't I handle penalties this time round? And you could perhaps take the free kicks. You've been hitting them well in training. You know what I mean? I think it, it would have played a factor, but it, was, it, it led to a very strategic move by Fiorentina. And it played really well. Biragi sent the keeper the wrong way in the penalty, making it 1-0 um, to Fiorentina in the 21st minute. Moments after that, man, Saponara gets the ball. I have to say, dude, I am so happy that Saponara is getting the game time he's getting mm-hmm. because I was really worried he was going to get forced out. Now, <laughs> I know that Italiano knew him from his Spezia days and mm-hmm. actually liked him and utilized him well, but I did not expect him to get these minutes at Fiorentina and I am very happy. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad as well. The guy is magical. There's something magical about him. It's, it's his touches, the way he carries yeah. him. He kind of glides, man, when he, he's on the ball yeah, as well. He, he doesn't. He can't do it for a full season. No, absolutely not. But he he has something about him. Every time he's on the ball, it's he's he's a human highlight reel. Really. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's it's almost like the the viola yeah, effect. Kind of like the quite viola. quite similar to viola. Um, so I forgot to mention in the opening minutes is um, he went for uh, halfway, well not almost half pitch. Um, he tried to trip the keeper from yeah. range. It turns out it was going a bit wide as well, and the keeper saved it quite comfortably, but an audacious attempt by the Osapo. But in this scenario, he received the ball from just outside the area in, in, a, in quite a, a tight angle. He cut the ball in, and the way he curls the ball, the ball just floats, man. Like, it hit the yeah. post, but it didn't, like, hit the post and change direction or anything of the sort. The ball was so concise, it almost hit the ball and then just sat down after that a floating attempt i've never quite seen anyone who hits it that way um moments later after that vlaovic played a lovely ball through to him so saponara was kind of clean through with cranio in front of him he took his time and he squared it to nico gonzalez who scored in an empty net making it 2-0 in the 42nd minute i think gonzalez needed that one really badly yeah you know he's, he's not been bad but um he needed a, a little confidence boost, I think. And he, he Definitely. Got uh, he's got COVID now, man. Oh, yeah, of course. He's COVID, got COVID. Yeah, yeah, he's, 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 no, he's, he's missing the next game. Oh, weird, though, I'm these afraid. people getting COVID when it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to Italy twice and no one wears masks. Not inside, no, okay, not outside. You go to the stage, you wear your mask to get there, you take it off and you change smoke cigarettes when the steward isn't looking at you. Brilliant. So half time came and just after half time in the 49th minute, there was a free kick from, you know, um, let's say, yeah, 25 yards out, maybe um, quite central, but slightly to the right hand side. You'd say that's decent for a left footer. Vlaovic steps up in place for Biragi and my oh my, can the guy hit a free kick, man? A great strike, unstoppable, right into the top corner. Man's he hits it. Shot. Man's got a shot. Almost like, not a knuckle ball, but the ball really moves, man. The ball really moves. It's got, it's got pace. It's got precision. It curls. It's, he can really... Uh, he's got a great left foot. And 
it's always great when he scores goals like this, especially when he's comparing himself to Holland constantly. <laughs> um, so it's good to see that he can get the upper hand at times. Moments later, he had another free kick from a very similar angle. He decided to go for the far post this time round, and it, bro, it couldn't have been any closer. Like he got, he got close again. So needless to say that if should Vlaovic join Juve, then they've got a new free kick and penalty taker. I would say. Yeah, I mean Bonatti's under penalties when the ball isn't playing. So I guess. It doesn't take much to be the reverse. Yeah, team. yeah. Fiorentina, 7th place, 15th points. Cagliari, still in some serious trouble. 19th place with 6 points. 1 win, 3 draws. The next game took place between Torino and Genoa. The and storm ended, is coming. And ended... <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I heard thunder in the distance. Sorry, continue. Man, the weather's been meant to- it's really hot. We're both I've shirtless. Been, I've been talking about it like in the lift at work with all my colleagues. <laughs> it's, it's, ah, the weather, man. It's apparently, we're getting, we're getting the worst thunderstorm we've had in history tomorrow, and I'm like shirtless right now, drinking a cold beer. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's fucking boiling. So, Torino, Genoa, 3 2 for Torino. Goals from Sanabria, Pobega, and Brecolo for Torino, and Destro and Caicedo for, for Genoa. Now, uh, it all started when Ansaldi's cross in the 14th minute um, found Sanabria, who scored, and um, he didn't celebrate against his ex-team. Matt, would you celebrate if you scored against your old team? Um, it depends on the terms I would leave oh, from yeah. my so old, like from my old were, club. If you were like happy there, if, if it was by mutual consent that you left, yeah, if you were yeah. out. Okay. Yeah, but then you always need to keep the... No, I wouldn't celebrate me. You need to keep the fans. I think the fans yeah. always come first, that, so... That was the point I was going to make. Even if the management kick you out, the yeah. fans, if they supported you the whole time and you... Like the whole, for example, Philip Anderson thing. Mm. Philip Anderson... No, sorry, not Philip Anderson. Sorry, oh, the whole Pedro, uh, Pedro thing. Um, Pedro was forced out by the management, but the fans at Roma liked yeah. him. Yeah. Um, so uh-huh. him celebrating against them was technically a huge fuck you to the thousands yeah. of fans. I mean, when when you score and you don't celebrate, the first thing you do is you put your hands out to the supporters. So you're almost apologizing to the supporters, showing them, look, showing you my hands. I apologize. Like in an ideal world, shit like this wouldn't go down. But here we are. Um, so, yeah, I like that. He didn't celebrate. Okay, cool. I agree. Now, in the 31st minute, Pobega, with a cool finish after Sanabria picked him out intelligently. I see Pobega as, as a future player for Milan. I think he has what it takes. I can't see any obvious flaws in his games. The mm. only flaw I can see maybe is that he's overly eager at times, which, in my opinion, isn't even a flaw. I mean, Tonali's overly eager. Yeah. And he's one of the best players in the team. You know what I mean? Looking at Pobega, the guy can contribute defensively he can shoot he can pass he's a he's serious strong. player he's, Pobega. A, he's a serious talent I have yeah. to say he's a serious talent I agree and there are no obvious flaws in his game no he'll he, and he'll be a great squad player for yeah, yeah. Milan as well kind of like I'm going to mention Tonali again but coming in going out some games it's better to start Ben Asser, some games it's better to start Tonali I'm sure it'll be a similar situation with yeah. Pobega. and Pobega is one of those players where the loans worked yeah you know, 100%. That's always nice. You know, you loan out a player and he never gets a minute or he, he's never talked about or he's mm-hmm. bench. That's tragic. But you look at Pobega, he he was on loan with Spezia, he played well. On loan with Torino, he played well. He's scoring, he's contributing. He's And every coach he has, you know, he was coached by Italiano, now he's being coached by Juric. Yeah. And, you know, who's next, dude? 
the big brain of Stefano Pioli. Oof, the talented I'm Mr. Pioli. The talented Mr. Pioli is going to complete this guy. Well done, dude. Cheers. Now, um, shortly after this, of course, um, Torino got a third goal, but it was ruled off for a foul during the build-up play. Um, it was Linetti's deflected effort that was cancelled. Mm. In the 69th minute, it's always Destro on the 69th. Oh, it? <laughs> it's fucking always Destro on the 69th. Destro on the 69th scored, of course, Fares played the horizontal ball to Bayrami. Bayrami, sorry, not Bayrami. Bayrami's the Ampoli guy. This is Bayrami. Mm. Now, Bayrami here was amazing. He, he displayed brilliant awareness. He left the ball, he let the ball roll to Caicedo and the Ecuadorian just flicked it to Destro who finished it off, who finished it off great. Um, Vanya Milinkovic-Savage, um, younger brother of Sergei, got his fingertips Always on Always surprised, it. man, when yeah. that's pointed out. Um, you know, I, I think Vanya is not a bad keeper, but when it comes to these low shots, he does struggle considering he's, he's six he's, foot seven. Yeah. He's massive. I, to, to be honest, I think what he's got is character. So he's a great character to have between the sticks and, and even just in team in general. He's got size, confidence. he's got confidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can whack a ball, similar to Manyan, which yeah. is very important and in a guys, goalkeeper. Guys, if you want to see something crazy, look up um, Vanya Milinkovic-Savic's free kick. Madonna. Yeah, he smacks the crossbar yeah. free kick for <laughs> it's three fucking, it's, it's Wow, crazy. like it's bonkers. He hits the ball really well. Yeah, but he's very raw. At the yeah. same time, he is, he he, there's there's a lot of fine tuning to be done with him. But I mean, you see the levels his brother reaches. So maybe it's in his blood. I, I hope that's in his blood. So yeah. we'll um, how old is Vanya at this point? Um, isn't he like 25? I think Vanya. Is he 25? Let's see. One second. Bro, you had the art of it. 24 years. Oh my God. He's, he's my young. age. Yeah, he's I mean, a week older than me. That's, that's a talented keeper right there you know 24 years old is so young for a keeper mm -hmm. but he's got a bright future i was gonna say you know i wouldn't really if he was anywhere near like 29 30 I, yeah I'd be like Ugh. but uh -huh. 24 lots of room for improvement 100 percent now destro of course getting the goal um he's looking as dangerous as ever this is his i believe sixth goal of the season mm. could can he get that italy call up Oh, good question, man. Yes, man. yes, he can get the Italy call up. Uh -huh. This is the way I look at it because I thought about this a bit. So there's Immobile and Bellotti, right? Mm -hmm. Then there is a young profile. They always want a young profile as an investment. Yeah. So I'm guessing that's going to be either Scamacca or Raspadori. Raspadori. Or yeah. Right? And then there's that fourth striker. And I'm thinking, you know, could be fucking one of the other young profiles or it could be. Caputo, if he has a good season, it could be Destro. I th I think it should be Destro. I mean, obviously, there's there's the majority of the season to be played out, and injuries could play a part as well. Especially Destro's twenty. I mean, thirty four now. Um, but Destro's a madman. Destro's a mad. He he's got goals. He and he loves scoring, man. And he's great at he's great at scoring. Yeah, Stop touching that. Yeah, <laughs> he's great at scoring. He um. He also said in an interview recently that he, he never stopped dreaming about the Azzurri call-ups. Ah, okay. So we'll see, oh, we'll see what happens. You know what I think of? That for some reason, I think he'd be a massive playboy, man. It's not particularly because he's a good-looking guy, but I think... Yeah, I think like, he fucks a lot. Like. I just think he fucks a lot. Like, I thought Luca Toni would fuck a lot. You know what I mean? Okay, interesting. Yeah. Um, you have a theory about Petania, right? You've shared it on the podcast. Yeah, I think I think Petania, Petania looks like the kind of guy that can eat pussy really well, like... 
Um, hopefully, we don't have any prudes listening. <laughs> if we do, then we've just lost a few followers. Uh, sorry, balls. So, <laughs> in the 77th minute, Brekalo scored. It was an inspiring move by Pratt, who is amazing. You know, Pratt, yeah. Pratt was excluded by Brendan Rodgers in his, in his plans um, at Leicester City. But, you know, he's he's always been a good player. He was a good player for Sampdoria. He's a good player on his return here. You know, the fans were kind of puzzled by Brendan Rodgers' decision because they could see the talent. Um, yeah. Brendan preferred other players. But I'm happy to have him back in the league. He he had a lovely dummy in the opposition third. He beat his man um, without basically touching the ball. He ran it down, entered the area, squared Bricalo in, and then Bricalo scored. Yeah, so Pratt back from injury with an assist, instant impact of the bench. Great player. Yeah. In the 80th minute, Yaya Kalon turned Olaina inside out with a few stepovers that seemed pretty outrageous. You know? When I saw it, I was like, what the hell is this guy doing? And then all of a sudden, he's through. And I'm like, wow. No, Olaina's just looking the yeah, other way. Like, <laughs> Olaina is your love. I made and that then, last time, whatever. Oh, you did you? I did make that joke, oh, yes. Sorry, then I apologize for stealing it. And then Kai said, I slotted it home. Um, it was a tense final 10 minutes, but Torino remained compact and saw it through. Torino securing their second home win of the season, lifting them up to 10th, while Genoa find themselves on the end of a winless six-game run, languishing in the relegation zone. Ooh. But man, Genoa can score. I they said this. Score. I they said this in the last few episodes as well. But Genoa are, are they're such an unorthodox side, so that normally makes teams shit. But it kind of works for for Genoa, man. Um, but moving on to Sassuolo against Venezia. Um, Venezia were coming off a shocking yet convincing victory against Fiorentina, as I mentioned not so long ago. Sassuolo coming off another disappointing draw against Genoa as well. Um, so Sassuolo once again opted to start Scamacca up front, utilizing Raspadori as an attacking midfielder slash secondary striker, with Juric starting on the flank in place of the injured Boga. This seems to be working well at the moment. We are seeing both Raspadori and Scamacca performing better than they were earlier. I know Scamacca didn't have much time earlier, but he's definitely looking like a confident striker now. And he contributes way more than just scoring goals. Um, in the 32nd minute, however, it was Okareke who opened the scoring for Venezia, making it one in the 32nd minute. So this goal was weird because <laughs> what happened was Tolian pressed really high up the pitch to take the ball of Kean. But Kean managed to shield the ball and play the ball to Ampadu on the wing. Ampadu, with one touch, he unleashed Henri. And Henri, obviously, he's not the fastest player in the world. He's, he's a noggin, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but Okareke is. So it almost looked like he wanted to leave it to Okareke. Okareke wanted to leave it to him. And there was they had so much time to make the decision that Okareke ended up basically taking the ball off him and curling it into the back of the net. Kirikes wasn't of much help as a last man. He was that's, backing that's off, backing classic. off, backing off. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was an interesting goal. Mintoff pointed out recently that there's always that gap between the midfielders and the defenders. Yeah. And we saw a perfect example of it over there. Um, it was Tolian's mistake where he pressured too high up the pitch. Um, but thankfully, Sassuolo were, were capable of bringing it back after that. It was only uh, five minutes later that Berardi had a solo effort that went in. Now, this was vin vintage Mimmo. Yeah, he received yeah. the ball from, from Traore in the middle 
of the area just outside the box. He fainted a couple of times, just fainting and fainting. He made really quick work of both Ceccheroni and Chernigoy before beating Romero with a low drive into the near post. Really, Fun really fact, good goal. Every time we play FIFA, Chernigoy destroys you. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think this is the first FIFA where you have more wins than me, and it's just by one. So I wouldn't get too cocky. Um, Soon after, Venezia got close to taking the lead after a lovely ball by Kian. Kian is a good player, man. I really good. like Kian. I don't like his name. It sounds like mm, it's like Moise, like Moise Kian. It's K I Y I N E. But you have to look at this ball, man, because it was it was from the middle of the pitch when it comes to distance, slightly more to the left hand side, and he didn't lob the ball over over the defenders, but he sliced it over the defenders, and it sat perfectly in front of Okareke. Um, Kirikas was. He did manage to to come back and kind of whack the ball out of Okareke's feet. Um, the ball was miscued and, and it kind of lobbed itself over Consigli, but Consigli managed to get a great save over there. In the 50th minute, Sassuolo managed to make it 2-1 through an Henri own goal. Um, this was after a Traore corner. I mean, you know, Henri was doing his best to man Mark Ferrari at that near post. He was overleager and he ended up turning the ball into the back of his own net. Nothing the keeper can do about it. There, it was kind of similar to Zlatan's own goal, man. Yeah, I got a message from Mentov. He's like, Oh, this Henri guy's a bit shit. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, He's the record transfer, bro. He's like, Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Something that made me quite happy and then was in the 67th minute, Fratesi. Got a goal after a Raspadori assist. Fratesi's first goal in top flight. It was certainly needed. I think that yeah. as a young man, his confidence could be affected after contributing so much for his former club and not contributing so much for Sassuolo. That has to do good things for his confidence. And Raspadori was really good there as well, man. He beat his man. He played the ball through. Granted, Fratesi still had some work to do, mm-hmm. but two young Italians linking up, it's always good to see for the future. And you could see how much it meant to Fratesi here, you know, shades of what he did in Serie B last year. Mm-hmm. That that is a Serie B player of the pl- pl- player of the year. No, no, not player of the year. Sorry, he made the the starting eleven of the year. Ah, yeah. okay. But okay. uh, you know, good player, promising future. Should he be starting? Probably not. But that can go. That can be said about many players on the Sassuolo yeah. team. But anyway. Yeah, I mean, Sassuolo now find themselves in thirteenth place on eleven points. Venezia seventeenth with eight points. The next game we're going to be covering is Salernitana against Empoli, a matchup between last season's top two in Serie B. Um, Salernitana 2, Empoli 4. Now, that scoreline makes it sound like Salernitana stood a chance. Yeah. But in reality, they did not. Absolutely because not. 13 minutes into the game, Empoli found themselves 3 in a lap thanks to the goals came from Pinamonti. Cutrone and a Stramberg on goal. Now, to me, seeing Cutrone and Pinamonti on the score sheet, you know, I bet Palovski and Gabigol would if they were there to every every single youth striker, former youth striker from Milan. That wasn't quite it. Yeah, I probably wish they were there at that point. Cutrone was kind of it for a he while. Was it, he was it, but of course. Um, you know, cashing in on him to bring in Leo kind of makes a lot of sense. It's, it's the harsh reality of football. At the time, it sucks, you know, seeing Cutrone go, this boyhood guy, Milan, you yeah. know, San Siro tattoo on his arm. He's, he's just like me, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, and he loved the club as well, but hopefully Leo would learn to love the club as much as he loved the club. Definitely. And then, um, in the 45th minute, 
Pinamonti scored the penalty. Pinamonti with the Paneka penalty, actually. Mm. Confident uh, man. Yeah, confident man. He scores it for an Empoli. Belek takes off after Pinamonti after his Ah, yes, yeah, he, that he, fucking happened. He, he went off after him. I thought he was going to beat it. Because he chipped it. Because like, he chipped him. Yeah, it was disrespectful. Come he didn't, he didn't on. Uh, you know what? No, that's, that is a guy who doesn't want to lose. That's a winner. I mean I'm being a total year da right now but yeah, yeah I mean bro there are winners and then there are sore fucking losers and that's a sore fucking loser yeah, well actually good but sore loser yeah, maybe yeah. see you the winner now sore loser <laughs> Luca Ranieri in the second half scored his first goal in Serie A for Salernitana and celebrated like a madman even though they were down 4-1 <laughs> this is the shit house I live for they fucking believed this, though huh? they believe 48th minute this guy's like come on Four <laughs> one down. When you in the fifty fifth minute, Ismaili scored an own goal, and I swear to God, it looked like Salernitana were gonna do it, bro. It looked like they were gonna do it, but they they didn't, and um, this was not a great start for Colantuono. Um, you know, Castori got sacked kind of prematurely, in my opinion, and Colantuono. It looks like he's disjointed the team. You know, this was a game. To win, these guys were both mm-hmm. in Serie, but they were the two best teams in Serie Bella. So I feel like it should have been a way closer game yeah. than it was. But tactically, Salernitana were not up to standard at all. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very awkward time to bring on a new manager as well. Though in the, in the midst of all this mayhem of the opening ten games, it's like he doesn't know his team yet. And the first game was against Empoli, who play their game no matter what they play their style no matter what so an awkward fixture for him um but yeah i think given more time i mean he's not gonna do a hell of a lot of a difference because salernitana just are in that side i i think, yeah, I think at least that's what i predict they're the they're the guarantee you know if i had to put yeah. money on, on someone going down yeah they're like the crotone this season man i hate how there's America. always a crotone though but these guys are they might be different. They seem better than the typical last place team we see. No, but I thought that about Crotone as well. I thought Crotone but were good. Crotone were good offensively. Unas Junior, Messiah, yeah. Simi. Yeah, but they, they conceded two, three goals a game, which wasn't great. Eh? It's yeah, like Salernitana. Like Salernitana. <laughs> anyway, Salernitana sit three points adrift at the foot of the division, while um, Empoli have you know cemented themselves in the middle of the table. Yes, um, the last game we're going to be covering is Sampdoria against Spezia. So it turns out this is a derby itself as well. It's a Liguria derby. Um, so Sampdoria were on a four-game winless streak, which obviously got everyone talking about the Versa's future and the uncertainty there is around that as well. Uh, Spezia were coming off quite a good win against Salernitana. They had a very good performance over there. Um, and they got off to a terrible start, however, against Sampdoria as Jassi put the ball into his own net after 15 minutes after Akandreva free kick, which was kind of like a cross shot. He was looking for the exact flick on that Jassi got. Um, preferably it would have been by his teammate, but puts the ball into the net at the end of it anyway. And Samp are 1-0 up after 15 minutes. That must have been frustrating for Jazzy, you know. Yeah. I thought it was a Yoshida goal at first. And I was like, Jesus, this guy's having a really good start. I year. fucking thought it was a Kandreva goal. For oh <laughs> the first time God. I saw it, I was screaming, bro. Kandreva is the best winger in the league right now, statistically. Fun fact, Kandreva is the best fucking winger in the world behind <laughs> Salah, bro. <laughs> it's fucking... 
he's, he's fucking weirdly good, man. Yeah. Um, so in the 36th minute, Kandreva scored a great goal. Basically, there was a long throw by Dragusin, who replaced the injured Verre in the 20th minute. Um, Caputo headed the ball to Gabbiadini, who started ahead of Mr. Wondergold this time round. He outmuscled Nicolao, played the ball through to Kandreva, who shot the ball into the bottom corner of the near post after hitting it on the bounce. This is his fourth goal of the season, and it's his 81st career goal. The ex-Interman doing bits this season. One of the best players in the league. Genuinely, he makes my team of the season thus far. Um, imagine him right wing for Milan. He'd never do it. That would be... He would never do it, first of never all. Never do it. You know, Inter, but yeah. um, but that would be that would be pretty cool. I have to say, yeah, I'd, I'd fucking like that a lot, especially domestically. You know, Kondreva knows the league inside out, yeah, because he could put in a shift. But yeah, anyway, that's, he, he brings it, it is ridiculous. He brings that to Samp. I mean, they've got one too many players that bring that to Samp. So there's, there's Gabbiadini, there's why am I why am I forgetting Mr. Wonder Goal's name? Qualiarella. Why the fuck did I forget Qualiarella's name? That's fucking terrible. It's the booth, baby. It's the booth, baby. Yeah, but like I'm saying, they've got they've got Gabbiadini, they've got Ciccio Caputo, they've got Mr. Wonder Gold, um, they've got Candreva, they've got Dance a lot. Of, no, but I'm talking about the the, ex, the say experience, yeah, the experience that, that they have. Yeah, they've got they've got a lot of those, probably one too many. I'd like to see them have some more younger options like the Dams Guards. Um but Mintoff yeah. recently brought up a fact, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Um do you know Torre Grossa? Yes. Torre Grossa is sitting on Sampdoria's bench, a prolific striker who made a name for himself in Serie but um completely you know, twenty nine years old, he can totally play in Serie on, on a on a kind of smaller side. He's been completely, completely cut out from the Sampdoria yeah. team. Mm-hmm. Do you see him moving in January? I d- yes, um, I th- I'm surprised he didn't move after the after they signed Ciccio Caputo. Yeah. I think the only reason he's there is because these three strikers that we're talking about, um, Quagliarella, Caputo, and Gabbiadini, are all of a certain age. So wouldn't be surprised if we see two of them being injured in conjunction or something of the sort. That's why it's good to have a fourth option up front for them. Yeah, but yeah, he'd want to move away for Perhaps, sure. Perhaps, like, this guy could probably start for, like, Sassuolo at the moment. Uh, potentially, potentially. I mean, he, yeah, maybe we could see him even towards the lower tier teams. Maybe we could see but him joining yes. Venezia, for example. I'm, I'm not sure what his current condition is, you know. I yeah. haven't seen him in a while, to be honest with you. But, <sighs> but he could probably play as... Sabi yeah, Metano, fucking Venezia would be a good one. I could yeah. help them fucking stay up. That would be maybe cool. Spezia maybe as well. Um, but bro, this would be a great goal to finish this episode on. Verde in the, was it the 95th minute? I think it was the 95th minute. Yeah. So he comes on. To be honest, I don't know why Verde doesn't start. He does typically, but um, I don't know. He hasn't these, been though. These smaller teams seem to bench their best players randomly. I don't get why. I yeah, but he hasn't been starting at all because he's been coming off the bench the last couple of games that I watch. But he picks up a loose ball in the corner of the box and fires it into the top corner of the near post out there or rooted to the spot. He got Handanovic. He absolutely could do nothing about it. 
It's his third goal of the season in nine appearances and it's his ninth goal in two seasons for Spezia where he's been in and out of that starting 11. Sampdoria, 15th place, nine points. Spezia, 16th place, seven points. Um, Verde has started five games this season and made substitute appearances in four games. So yeah, again, not a regular not a, starter, not no. Regular, yeah. Probably a fitness problem. Yeah, he's 25 years old. I, I certainly hope not. Is he 25? Verde is 25. That's a good beard. That is a very good beard. Jealous. So our first question comes from our dear friend Jamie Dent. Hello, Jamie. Hello, Jamie. Um, which team and player has disappointed or underwhelmed you most this season? So I'm going to say Sassuolo are definitely a team that have disappointed me the most because I think they're far better than the performances they're showing us this season. Um, and I'm going to pinpoint one of their players who was supposed to be, you know, the next number nine for them. Um, Raspadori has actually disappointed me the most this season. Now, obviously, it was never going to be easy for Raspadori to fill in Caputo's boots. Never an easy task whatsoever. He got off to a very good start, so I was very hopeful that Raspadori was even going to get a solid call-up for the World Cup, for the Azzurri. Um, but his performances have stated otherwise. And it's not just strictly his performances that I'm very underwhelmed by, but it's more his attitude um, towards football in general. I think he's got it wrong. I mean, after losing to Inter, he's celebrating with the Inter players. After losing, he's posting certain things on Instagram that almost looks like the team won the game. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say Sassuolo and Raspadori. For me, it would have to be... So, I, I do share your sentiment about Sassuolo, but for the sake of having a different answer, I'm going to say Lazio. Okay. I'm going to say Lazio simply because they, they look so dominant against the big teams, and we've already discussed the mess there, in, yeah. you know, getting trashed, trashed yeah. by Bologna and Verona is, is not... Um, acceptable quite it frankly and probably disappoints you even more that you know the ceiling of the team especially exactly. when they're winning the games that we mentioned before exactly. against Roma and Inter and typically yes we would see them with Inzaghi who is, isn't as good a coach as, as Sarri but granted he had time to establish himself over there but you know they never got humiliated like this no they yeah. they didn't I, they, they were always a solid team sure they had their seventh yeah. finishes every every now and then but yeah I, I understand why and you say that and when it comes so. to my Disappointing player of the season Perhaps I'll have to go for Luis Alberto um, Probably not really his fault You know, Sarri not really showing full faith in him has probably. Yeah. But you know, I'm just disappointed in him Again, as you mentioned with Raspadori His, his personality, his character his, mm. Luis Alberto is the same He's so, you know, so provocative as a person yeah. so, so petty as a person yeah. well, When he's on, he's on He's fucking, he's, no, a, he's, he's a fantastic general, player but, but, you know, I haven't yeah. seen it this year too, mm-hmm. too much I mean, we've seen glimpses of it We saw a nice assist on Milinkovic Savage, yeah. for example But we haven't seen the Luis Alberto we're used to Yeah, I thought that in that, you know, th- three-man midfield Although it's the same three-man midfield that they had from last season, I thought that since they weren't backed with the wing backs, I thought that Luis Alberto had much more freedom and he was performing really well in the beginning of the campaign. 
But for some reason, something happened between him and the manager where the manager doesn't think he should be the one um, playing consistently and even prefers the likes of Akprakpro to him. So interesting. So next question comes from the very consistent Luke Mintoff. Thank you, Mintoff. Thank you, Mint. Um, he asked, with Balotti not joining anyone till next year, who is Milan's most realistic signing for January? Good question. Um, of course, Balotti and Cairo, and uh, I believe it was, uh, what's his name? The, the coach, Torino's coach. Juric. Juric yes. uh, came out and said that Balotti won't be going anywhere in January um, and he's going to play out the season with Torino. Now, do I believe that? I'm not sure. Um, I, I'd be surprised to see Cairo reject any offers he can get for Balotti. He loves mm. to make a, make a buck, you know. Yeah. If he can make a buck, he'll make it. Now, um, Milan. I, I think Milan need to address the center midfield position. Definitely 100%. Due, due to AFCON especially. I think a, a center midfielder will probably be coming in. Uh, a loan solution probably, you know, with an option to buy. Similar to the Meta one of last year. Now, possible yeah. profiles, I'm not sure who. Um, I heard, I heard, I've seen that, you know, Roman Favre. Or Favre yeah, or yeah. Um, might be brought in in January. He's kind of an attacking midfielder type of player. Mm-hmm. And regarding the striking position, to be honest with you, I would not be surprised to see Milan play out the season with these strikers at hand. Yeah. You know, because you look at it, you have Zlatan, you have Giroud, okay, granted two injury prone strikers. You have Pellegri, granted, who isn't ready. I wonder if he'll even feature this season. But mm-hmm. then you also have Rebic and Leao who can play there. Yeah, you know, so so at the end of the day, there are a few options of people you can pop up there, especially if we're going to be playing one competition, assuming that uh, Milan are, are out of the Champions League. Yeah, um, for me, I definitely think that Milan need to make signings in the central midfielder department, and I'm not only talking about the defensive midfield side, but also the offensive midfield side. Um, I don't think that Daniel Maldini is a great option to have rather than Brahim when Brahim has go- or Krunic for, for that sake as well. I think defensive midfielders, it's not the end of the world if um, you'd have Krunic Tonali, <laughs> Krunic Tonali um, and Bakayoko putting in a shift whilst Afcon's on. But I definitely want to see Milan sign an attacking midfielder. Like Jake said, when it comes to profiles, I'm not too sure. I'd probably expect them to sign someone from a lower tier um, uh, Italian side. I wouldn't be surprised if it would be someone like Aramu, for example, who, who comes in for Milan. That would be no, hot I, I, I and spicy. I see that happen. But you know who I would love to see at Milan? Um, Seco Fofana, yeah. the guy who plays for Lens. He's an ex player. That guy was a good player. 26 mm. years old, still playing in France. You know, he's, he's a special player. I agree, 100%. And then, then, because I was unsure if if Mintoff was referring to the striker role or just... um, Just in general. Yeah, because when it it comes to the debate on a striker, I think Milan have have made their decisions uh, coming into this season. So I think they will be sticking by their guns when it comes to Giroud, um, uh, Ibrahimovic, Pellegri, Rebic and, and all these guys. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if Milan stay with the same attacking three that they have on right now. The next question comes from my brother Seb Rousey, um, at S. Rousey on Twitter. Now that Del Piero got his coaching license, do you think it will start from smaller teams or maybe go straight to Juve? Um, 
Interesting question. What do you think? So definitely not straight to Juve because Juve have a very long-term project with Allegri and I think they have bad experiences bringing on a former player with not much experience in Andrea Pirlo. Um, of course, he did the best that he could and fourth wasn't that bad a finish given the circumstances of that of that team. Um, yeah, I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if we even see Del Piero start with a Serie B team. I, I think he, he has such a strong reputation that he'd want to do it right. Or um, rather than Serie B team, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes for the Primavera of Juve to start off with and then maybe get a promotion uh, five years down the line. Yeah, um, looking at Del Piero's CV, you know, there are a few teams over here that might be interesting to to manage. And you know how they are when, when it yeah. comes to managing teams. Um, teams tend to give former players some mm-hmm. some leeway. Yeah. Um, so there's Padova, you know, there's Fuck knows Sydney, where those are now. <laughs> and there's the Delhi Dynamos in mm-hmm. India. You know, the, these look like... A joke these yeah. teams, but but they're yeah. a good place to establish yourself, you know, to get to get a taste of actually coaching. Um, I I would be I wouldn't be surprised actually if he if he gets a big job from the get go because as we know former players are the most underqualified workers yeah. in, in the world when it comes to the later part of their career when mm-hmm. they when they enter the managerial world. Um, but um, yes, I, I I think that he should he should start off with a smaller team, perhaps Padova, Sydney, or mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. team. He he better not start at an English speaking club because he got a job as a as a pundit where he speaks English and he's not too consistent <laughs> with with the language. So yeah, people probably think that about us, dude. <laughs> I fucking doubt it. I think we speak English pretty well. Why do they talk like this? <laughs> <laughs> what is the problem? So I think we'll have one more question, right? Yes, and that question comes from our Twitter friend. Um, I know he doesn't want his name pronounced like this, but this is the only way I read it personally. Meagles, it's M-A-E-G-L-A-S, at finally Meagles on Twitter. Thanks, Meagles. He's probably... Should Galliani be viewed as a legend or should Milan fans hate him? Now, this is an interesting one, um, but I actually ran a poll because this, this was something that was, that was discussed um, and quite extensively on, on the group chat. Um, you know, some people believe that Galliani was overrated and that Breda was actually pulling the, the strings and that mm. Galliani ran Milan to the ground. So I, I tweeted, a few friends of mine are debating this question. What do you think as a Milan fan um, about Galliani? And I put love him or hate him. 413 votes, um, 79% love him, 21% hate him. I was surprised that 21% voted hate him. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, um, so I'm not exactly surprised because as you mentioned earlier, there, there were some weird decisions that were made towards the end of Galliani's career. However, I also like to compare some greats that kind of overstayed their welcome at certain clubs. For example, Arsene Wenger. He did slip up with Arsenal towards the end of his career. But, I mean, he had great success at Arsenal and I don't think he should be hated as a manager at all. And I think similarly with Galliani, one thing about Galliani is that he fucking loves the club and he always put the club first, even under very tough circumstances, um, under under Berlusconi. Um, so he did the best that he could. He made certain decisions that were questionable, he made sure. mistakes in the later part. And, and it's yeah. obvious. And there's, there's no point trying to sugarcoat it. Like Bertolacci for 20 million was disastrous. Yeah. 
You know, but he's an icon of, of, of the club, Mangaliani. I value him so much as, as someone who yeah. shaped part of the history of Milan. So I absolutely love that he was a part of Milan's history. And Milan's history wouldn't be the same without him. Yeah, there was there was a comment on, underneath um, this post from Xenomorph at Milanista underscore CL who said, um, Rossi, Cafu, Nesta, Thiago Silva, Jankulovski, Gattuso, Sidorov, Gullit, Kakab, Van Basten, Shevchenko, Dida, Serginio, Desaili, Pirlo, Rijkaard, Savicevic, Wea, Inzaghi, Ibrahimovic, to, live, to list the names brought on board by him and Breda. So if you have the audacity to Hate overlook him. the man's <laughs> countless contributions towards the club's success, being a loyal servant all those years at the expense of his final few, which were barely under his control, you're either an amateur who hasn't seen enough or an embarrassing putz. And well said, my friend. Well said, 100%. You basically said what I was trying to say, but much better. <laughs> you should come on the pod sometime. So thank you very much for listening. This has been Seria uh, Spotlight and we've been your host, Jake. And Matt, thank you very, very much for tuning in, guys. A bit of a long one this time round, but to be honest, yeah, you will be getting more long ones so far as we're consuming the games and, and doing our research. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you tune in in two days or three days time. Yeah. We'll have some midweek drama this time round, some interesting yeah. fixtures as midweek well. Midweek Madness Part 2. Yeah, baby. So... The game starts from today, really. We, we, yeah, we, we ignored that during the podcast yeah, for obvious difficult. reasons. Um, but we hope you guys tune in. We hope you enjoyed this and we'll see you next time. And follow us at Serial Spotlight. Yes, sir.